Okay. In the interest of doing this quickly, uh, turn to page 21 and 22, common mistakes and missteps. I'm going to qualify this by, if you were to ask Robert, Mark, any other pastor or Bible teacher, what are the most common missteps in reading the Bible and, and studying it? I think you might get variable answers. You might get all the same kind of categories, but you might get them in different orders. Here's what I see. Here's what I think. Um, so for the record, these six things are what Dylan has experienced in terms of the most frequent things I'm encountering. When we do that class, we'll dive deeper and broader talking about all the things to avoid. But in my experience, in my own life, the things I need to guard against, as well as being a pastor for, for how many years it's been now, the, the most common things I have conversations or feel the need to redirect about are these right here. And no particular order. They're not force ranked. Uh, the first one would be treating it like a task only, okay? Any good habit is to some degree a task, right? We, we got to do the same good thing over and over and over before it comes a habit. And, and that way, it's not sinful necessarily to call Bible reading and study a task. But if that's all it becomes, we've lost sight of what we're doing, right? We've already talked about when we read God's word, the primary uh, purpose, the, the first one is to hear from God, Right? We, he, he wrote something to us. He wants us to read it. He wants us to absorb it. it, it in it, it contains all we need to know for salvation and, and for daily life, for holy living, all of these things. So if, if we're not careful, a common misstep I see is treating it like a task to the point of, as Mark mentioned, it becomes a, a to-do thing at the top of the day. And that's for those of us, which isn't always me, that, that are doing it with any regularity. We got to avoid it becoming a task. When I was in seminary, um, they, they warned us, be careful not to use your homework as your Bible study. Um, I did not heed that warning well, right? Because it, these were the tasks. I had a lot of tasks around Scripture. And um, I heard that in one ear, out the other. Okay, and by the time I got to the end of my senior year at Union, I was burnt out, feeling disillusioned, all kinds of things. And, and uh, I don't even remember who it was, but someone graciously said, you've been treating scripture like a task over and over and over. Is there any wonder you've lost any passion for it? Remember that it is God's word to you. A couple things practical. I got to move quicker. But a couple things practical to, uh, to help uh, avoid that. Pray, right? Before you read your Bible, Pray to the God who wrote it and gave it to you. Father, please let me move beyond this task and into hearing and communing with you, right? Practical steps. Take practical steps. Put a sticky note in your Bible. Take one of the guest cards, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe put something on the front that says stop and pray, right? So every time you reach for your Bible, it's something that reminds you stop and pray first. It will help just these small things that help us move past treating it only like a task. Number two, reading and studying randomly, okay? The, the, there's two particular risks here, uh, the pick-a-card approach um, and the unsustainability of it. The, the pick-a-card approach, this is tied into the next one being context and ignoring that context. But if we're reading Scripture at random, right, we're just opening the Bible, closing our eyes and pointing to a verse and going, God, please speak to me. It's not outside of his ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. However, he wrote an entire book, okay? There is no book, there is no song, poem, instruction manual. Open an instruction manual halfway through and pick one piece out and try and put that thing from Ikea together, right? 
books, any kind of material was written as a movement in which we are to understand the whole thing. So if we're opening our Bible at random, if that's, if that's our devotional time, is every morning I just flip it open and I pick a card, we are missing the intent of the author, we're, uh, it, the, the divine one and the human one, we're, we're missing things, and God can work past that, but, but again, he has handed us an entire book, let's treat it as such. The second, uh, I think, risk with that is it's just unsustainable. Uh, if, if, we're, if we're just approaching it randomly, we're not building any ha- habits other than randomness. And randomness is not particularly good habit to have around the discipline of reading, studying, interpreting, and applying God's word to our lives. Develop a system. If that's reading through the Bible in a year, that's great. If you do that, as Mark said, I would also suggest you parallel, move slowly through sections of scripture so that you're reading slowly enough to catch the details and you're reading quickly enough to see the full arc. Because if we zoom in too far, we're missing the full arc and we'll miss context. If we're reading uh, uh, too quickly, we'll skip over all that stuff and and we've lost all the richness of the details. Number three, ignoring the context. Okay, we Mark talked about context. He he warned against some of the pitfalls. I'll I'll add an example here in a moment. Two thoughts I have around this. The best case scenario of ignoring context is is still a misinterpretation, right? The best case scenario of ignoring context is probably still a misinterpretation. Let me give you an example. Uh, I, I started noticing this on social media around the time COVID shut us down, early 2020, it may have been happening before that. I just, I just saw it. And if this was you, I'm not calling you out. I'm course correcting, okay? Second Chronicles 7.14, which reads, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Comforting verse, uh, a verse consistent with the character of God throughout Scripture, and one that I've seen so frequently said, if the United States will do this, God will make us good and awesome and whole and whatever. Maybe, okay, maybe. But to take that and just slap it down on 2023 United States is ignoring the context. What is happening here is Israel, not modern Israel, not yesterday Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel from the Old Testament, that specific group of people living at that time were disobeying God's And he was punishing them. And in this moment, he says, if you will repent, I will relent. He's making that promise to those people, okay? And therefore, if we're ignoring that context, we might take it and just go, well, he'll do the same thing for us. Possibly, what we need to get to is that timeless principle. What's the timeless principle within that? Throughout the whole arc of scripture, we see God is prone to relent when in the presence of repentance, right? It's a large theological point of the work of Christ. Repent and receive forgiveness. Repent and I will restore you, right? So timeless principles rather than just pulling something up out and dropping it where we have found it. Now, again, to use that and say, hey, we should be praying for our country. Absolutely. To use that and say, hey, God has done this before. Perhaps he would do it here. Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing to be praying for. Like I said, not knocking it. It's just a mild course correction. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario are things that we've already uh, that we've also already talked about. We pull things out of context, and we get cults, and we get uh, extremism. Uh, the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it movement, things related to that are entirely, in my opinion, based on a lack of context. 
okay? You get someone who says, hey, look, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. I'm asking you guys for money, right? Never mind all the rest of Christ's teachings that tell the rich young ruler, go sell all your stuff. It's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Hey, when he sends the 72 out, don't take anything. Rely on the provision of one another. Acts 2, they were selling everything they had and giving to those who are in need. So how in the world if you're, <laughs> can you claim that you're not ignoring context to say, ask and you shall receive, and therefore I'm, I'm glammed out, right? I'd be up. I was watching the other day. I wasn't even looking for it. I won't name the guy, but it wouldn't be hard to Google. Famous prosperity preacher is talking about walking on streets of gold. And he said, I want to go ahead and get a head start on that. This man, pastor, well-known, had solid gold shoes, okay? He said, hey, he said, hey, cameraman, zoom in on these. He said, you wouldn't believe what I spent on these, right? Heartbreaking, at, at the core of it, ignoring context, right? It, it's as simple as ignored context leads to this devastating and, and heart-wrenching misappropriation of the gospel. So the, the, there's a best-case scenario, which still leaves us left of center. There's a worst case that leads people astray, perhaps ourselves and maybe others. Number four, hidden, I got to really move, hidden meanings, secret messages. God wants us to understand, okay? There are times in scripture where it can feel like when we, when we come to the realization of the interpretation, we're like, man, that felt secret or hidden. I think that's more uncommon, okay? God spoke to us and he wants us to understand. Trust that. There, there are places where we are stretched and challenged and we have this cultural and historical literary gap, things that work that we need to do, but ultimately God wants us to hear. The, the, he, he communicated to us for a reason, and therefore we should, in good faith, assume that most of scripture is attainable without doing a bunch of uh, interpretive gymnastics, okay? There's challenging places. We need to be mindful of looking for hidden meetings, secret messages. The other note you'll see in there is orthodoxy. Sometimes we tie that to church traditions or denominations, but the, the most central piece of this, right, is, is just right teaching. And we talk about historical Christian orthodoxy. We're saying in 2,000 years of Christian church history, you can trace a line straight back to the beginning in terms of the essentials. God is holy. God is perfect. God is exists in a triune form. Jesus died for our sins. We are sinners. These essential core things have remained in the center of orthodox teaching for 2,000 years. There's been a lot of brilliant people carried along by the Spirit for 2,000 years. In 2023, it is unlikely that we're going to find something new that is valid, okay? Trust what, what is known and simple and straightforward with a recognition that there are parts of God who, that he has not yet made known to us that we will either recognize in heaven or he'll re- remain just leaving us with, you have what you need. Number five, wrong motivations. Why are you reading? That might be a point of self-reflection. Sometimes I got, again, as a pastor, and that's even, this could be a wrong motivation uh, for a good reason, right? If I'm only reading scripture to prepare to preach, I am not reading scripture to hear from God because I'm, I'm reading scripture to prepare to do my job. Now, my job is to, to deliver God's word to you in a faithful way. But if that's the only Bible reading I'm getting throughout the week, I'm not doing what I'm encouraging y'all to do, okay? In the negative, are you reading to win an argument? Man, I know I'm gonna see Frank at work tomorrow and that guy needs a 
tongue lashing, right? So I'm going to go find through all these proof texts and I'm going to beat them up with it, right? Check your heart. Let the spirit convict you of being mean with scripture, right? Number six, Robert, you can go ahead and um, be working your way up here because we're going we're gonna to go on and keep cranking. Reading in instead of out, okay? Eisegesis, the wrong presuppositions, the idea that, that we would bring stuff to the text instead of trying to approach it with a clean slate. To some degree, it's impossible to do. We're humans, we're sinful. We, we are, sometimes our preconceived notions, our presuppositions would be the theological word, are, are so subversive and ingrained that we don't notice them. Same for me, right? Same for most of you. But what we're asking for is praying to God, hey, when I, Father, you'll, you'll hear Robert and I, every time we get up and preach, what do we say? Father, please get us out of the way, right? Keep us from error, Keep us from, uh, and help us to teach clearly. We, you can approach scripture in your personal study in the same way. Father, I'm about to read your word. I'm about to hear from you. Please help me to set my junk at the door, right? And approach it as cleanly as possible through the power of your Holy Spirit. God wants that, right? There's certain things that when you pray for them, I can almost guarantee God will honor it. That being one of them, okay? We will do, uh, dive way deeper. The textbooks, which we will be using to some degree, have, have a lot of mistakes to avoid and, and are dealt with in more than 15 minutes. But I want to make sure, especially we get to the Q&A and these resources. So Robert's going to lead that discussion. I'm going to move the stage around a little bit, but we're going to talk about some recommended stuff for you.